No drop left behind. Fighting drought at Microsoft Silicon Valley. Narrated by Cinnamon Draper. Cornet Global's The Source magazine, March 2022. The Source recently spoke with Darren Lombardi, Senior Portfolio Manager, Silicon Valley Campus, Microsoft, and Katie Ross, Senior Sustainability Program Manager, Microsoft, about how the company put water conservation front and center during the development of its Silicon Valley campus through an integrated system of harvesting rainwater, installing an on-site wastewater plant, and other sustainable strategies. The campus is designed to eliminate the use of potable water for non-drinking use. The Source Perhaps a decade or so ago now, we began to hear water is the new oil in discussions about sustainability as a recognition grew of the importance and increasing scarcity in many places of this valuable resource. Given what we're seeing today in terms of drought and the effects of climate change, especially in the western United States, that perspective and warning seem to have been prescient. Is access to water as much of a challenge as it seems to be? Katie. While water is plentiful, covering 70% of the Earth's surface, 97% of this water is saline. It's located in our oceans and it's not fit to drink or use for crops. Furthermore, the world's fresh water isn't equally distributed or accessible and is found disproportionately in places where people don't actually live. So as human civilization has expanded, we've reached a point globally where humanity depletes the available freshwater supply at a rate of 4.3 trillion cubic meters every year, and the majority of that actually goes to agriculture and industrial uses. Today, the United Nations, UN, projects that more than 2 billion people lack access to safe drinking water and climate change is only intensifying that water shortage. The UN estimates that one in four people might live in a country affected by chronic water shortages by 2050. And according to the World Bank, this climate reduction of fresh water availability coupled with increased demand could reduce our water availability in cities by more than 66% in 2050. Getting ahead of the world's water crisis will require a reduction in the amount of water humans use to operate our economies and societies, as well as a concerted effort to ensure there is sufficient water in the places where we need it most. This will require the transformation of the way we manage our water systems and an effort from all our organizations to account for and balance water usage. What Microsoft is doing on both accounts, taking responsibility for our own water usage, as well as partnering on a technology platform to help others do the same. We are committed to being water positive by 2030, and what that means is tackling our own water consumption first, reducing our water intensity within our four walls, and then replenishing the water that we use in water-stressed regions where we operate. This means that by 2030, Microsoft will replenish more water than it consumes on a global basis. The source. Please tell us about your Silicon Valley campus, the employee headcount, the number of buildings on the campus, the square footage, etc., and what you're doing to conserve water there. We'd like to hear not only about the big picture strategy to conserve water, but some of the more tactical and perhaps even technology-enabled efforts you're making as part of your facilities management and sustainability program. Darren, the campus sits on 32 acres, 
13 hectares. We have a parking structure along with amenities such as a fitness center, soccer field, basketball and volleyball courts, and a three-acre green roof. It will house at least 2,200 employees and was built to bring all of our South Bay employees together. We used to be spread out across five or six buildings. Given the competition for talent in the region, it was purposely built to focus on the employees' experience with some internal goals of collaboration, building internal community and health and wellness at the center of the design. Sustainability was a foundation for all the design considerations. The main structure itself is a two-building construct with massive floor plates to encompass 650,000 square feet, 60,387 square meters. Each of those floor plates is about 300,000 square feet, 27,871 square meters, with courtyards of varying scale cut into the building to support both health and wellness, as well as sustainability. We sit our employees in neighborhoods of 10 to 14 people. We allow our employees to sit adjacent to these courtyards, which really enables a few things from a design standpoint. From a health and wellness standpoint, this means everyone has access to natural light. No one sits more than 35 feet from a window, and the windows are open. So we have access to fresh air all day long. From a sustainability standpoint, the courtyards and the windows really allow us to reduce energy consumption from reduced HVAC demand. There's a couple of other sustainable features I want to talk about. The building features mass timber construction. It is one of the largest mass timber buildings in the North America, and we just received our LEED Platinum certification last week. The source, congratulations. Darren, thank you. We are also pursuing the water pedal from the Living Building Challenge, which really leads us to the topic of the water story. So we really have ambitious, water-focused, sustainable features on the campus. I like to think of them in about three buckets. We have water conservation, energy efficiency, and habitat restoration. We talked a little about energy efficiency when I was describing these neighborhoods, but we'll get to a little bit more detail. The project itself is designed to reduce overall energy use and increase efficiencies through the use of a closed-loop water-based energy loop. That's a combination of thermal energy storage tanks and a radiant cooling system where we circulate water across the campus during the day. We collect the water in those 10 tanks overnight and cool it down when it's most efficient to do so, either at nighttime or when the utility says it's best for the grid. We utilize chillers on the site, but no cooling towers. There are no evaporative losses when we have this closed-loop energy loop. We can serve water as well through our energy systems. In addition, we have passive ventilation systems, which circulate fresh air through the building, helping to cool those interiors. Since we have great weather here in the Bay Area, that helps reduce the need for mechanical cooling and air conditioning. We also have rooftop solar arrays, which offset about 20% of our energy demand. Switching gears and moving to the habitat, the project is really seeking to restore the ecological function of Stevens Creek, which is converting about one and a half acres of surface parking to native landscape. In this case, our focus was on the oak uplands that were here before we started developing in the North Bay Shore. We planted over 600 native trees and greenery with nearly 50 local species. 
Stormwater that is retained on the living roof and collected from paved areas is routed to the landscape. In this case, we capture water in bioswells. That water remains there and naturally settles before it returns to the ecology in Stevens Creek. We also have a three-acre green roof, which provides pathways for both pollinators and birds to help encourage biodiversity. All of these movements will help with the restoration of the area. The main story that you asked is about water conservation, and the key to this story is really understanding that today, it's typical to use drinking water not only for drinking, but also to flush toilets, to irrigate the landscape, and so forth. So basically, we take water, we use it once, we send it back to the municipal sewer where it is treated, and then sent off back to sea. With this campus, we show that there's a better way to manage this resource, especially when we're located in California. We're in a drought part of the world. So we thought we could be a good example of how to think about reusing, recycling water at scale and how it can be done a little bit smarter. So to that extent, the project is designed to offset 100% of our non-potable water demand through this on-site recycled water system, saving roughly 4 million gallons per year of drinking water. And we do this in two ways. The first way, we harvest rainwater from our clean roof systems so that water is collected and treated for reuse. And that accounts for about 10% of our demand on an annual basis. And then secondly, we have our wastewater treatment plant on site. So we collect and treat all the different types of water that have come on the campus. And so that means toilet flushing and things of that sort, things coming from the cafe sinks, showers, anything that is used on campus. We collect that water and then we treat it and then we can repurpose it and recycle it on campus. The key to really achieving this was making this decision early on in the project. You can't say that you want to build a sustainable campus and then think about bolting things on later as part of the design. We really had great conversations with all the team members and told them how much water they could actually use for their systems. We established this supply and demand water balance and teams had to stay within that budget. That means the landscapers needed to pick plantings with that in mind and that even formed the irrigation systems that we deployed. I talked earlier about some of the amenities we have on campus. We have this grass turf soccer field on campus but to make it work, we needed to think about how we were going to irrigate it a little differently. So we installed this underground watering system that reduces all the evaporated water loss. You could think about a watering system from the top. So we have this reservoir that sits underneath the soccer field that then, if you think of it, it's really like a raised bed plant that you might have in your backyard where the roots only take what they need to thrive. And so those are some of the things that we deployed across the campus to make sure that we were able to balance the water that we needed to make this really cool and green campus. It also means having a lot of hydration and coffee stations throughout the campus to make sure that we have plenty of water to treat and recycle. So in the end, beyond the drinking fountains and food service, not a drop of water for more than 2,000 employees, 15 acres, 6 hectares of landscape, and 643,000 square feet of built space will come from our municipal sources. The Source 
Why did Microsoft decide to do this enormous water conservation effort beyond the obvious point that there is a water issue in the region? Katie, we know that to address our climate crisis, we need to fundamentally rethink the way we plan for and deliver infrastructure on all of our campuses. That's going to mean essentially an entire deviation from what we once considered business as usual. And I think in Darren's description, I mean, nothing that he described was a business as usual way of typical campus delivery. We really wanted to think comprehensively in Silicon Valley on how we use our incredible resources in this land so that we not only operate to support our employees and reduce our impact on the natural environment, but really also give back to that environment, ecologically speaking. It's really about being stewards of the land and the resources that we're fortunate enough to have. Obviously, conserving water in California was a crucial aspect, but it really took on a life of its own outside of that one challenge to say not only how can we reduce our potable water usage, but really how do we think about all of the incredible resources that we have on our Silicon Valley campus and how we optimize them to get the greatest extent possible. The source. What's been the impact thus far with all your efforts, and what do your projections call for moving forward? Darren, given where we're at with COVID, we haven't quite occupied the campus 100% yet, but we aren't getting there every day, getting more occupants on site. Our plan is to offset 100% of our non-potable water demand. We plan on saving up 4 million gallons per year through the system itself. The source. Are you applying any lessons learned from the Silicon Valley campus to other places in your real estate portfolio? Katie, certainly. I lead sustainability for our entire global real estate portfolio. When we think about that, we have our corporate commitments of carbon negative, water positive, and zero waste. But that means in different locations is going to be very different things. We really try with our real estate to focus on regionally relevant solutions that meet our ambitious corporate commitments, but take into context unique characteristics at each of those locations. They're going to look different depending on the campus location and the climate. Some examples of how this is different throughout the world is the recently opened campus in Herzliya, Israel. That campus is focused on collecting the water condensate from the air conditioning units. Given the heat in Israel, a significant amount of water is collected from the air conditioning units. That will be used to water all the plants on site. In India, our newest building in Hyberdad will support 100% treatment and reuse of wastewater on site for landscaping, flushing, cooling tower makeup, etc. Similar to Silicon Valley, but a slightly different system. In our Puget Sound headquarters redevelopment project, we're going to be harvesting all of the rainwater to use for flush fixtures in the building, which is projected to save more than 5.8 million gallons annually, in addition to a highly efficient cooling tower and central plant system. So these are just some examples of ways that we're thinking about water differently, and it's going to very much depend on the context of the campus, whether we're focusing on an on-site solution or an off-site solution. But all of it threads that concept of departing from a business-as-usual development strategy and really thinking about the resources we have on each campus and how to put them best to use. The source. What's ahead for Microsoft in this area? 
Are there some new techniques and approaches that you're considering to conserve even more water? Katie. Yes, we're looking at this differently. Depending on where our new locations are, I think there are certainly going to be opportunities to try new technologies. The innovative work that the Silicon Valley campus has done outside of the on-site treatment plant is to really leverage the landscaping to do a lot of work for our net zero non-potable water campus design. It really got us to thinking differently about how we can leverage our on-site landscaping resources to naturally do a lot of the work that we need to be done for us. I think there's going to be a lot of focus on resilience and how we treat ongoing operations with respect to water resilience. As we get more and more embedded within our local communities, we need to think about ways we can partner with our local communities to not only restore or reduce the water within our four walls, but additionally, as we think about our replenishment strategy, support those communities, and fundamentally improve the ecological systems that we're operating in. Editor's Note An expanded version of this conversation is available on Cornet Global's What's Next podcast.